to reply guys the leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us i am kate willett and i'm julia claire and if you hear something terrible in the background that is little pearl little pearl Uh, is being at it again she's they're being like really fucking bad right now um but we're gonna start putting video up uh for our patreon subscribers of our recordings and you will be able to see the cats being bad in real time. Whereas right now you can just kind of hear it. Can you hear it? <laughs> I can hear it. I also, yeah. yeah, your cats give a lot of good content. My cat does not. She's pretty quiet. During, she's a quiet cat. She's a quiet little one. Um, she's usually asleep. Yeah. But there is a cat. There's a cat over, over Kate's shoulder. As we speak right now. My my cat doesn't give us that kind of content. Um, Kate, how the hell are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think what's going on. I've been doing a lot of writing, a lot of walking. Something that has kind of been happening lately that hasn't happened to me in a long time is I've been having FOMO because... Oh, my God. As the vaccine, as more and more people get vaccinated we're starting you know it's kind of like people can now hang out with other vaccinated people even inside and stuff you know uh and it's like i don't know like should i be going back to more normal than i am i'm I'm still kind of i'm definitely very much still like living in pandemic mode but i'm like is that just because i'm a loser that no one wants to hang out with or am i being responsible still i don't know no it's gonna take it's gonna take a long time to reacclimate. um as i i mentioned last week i went to miami <laughs> this weekend um as i am i have been fully vaccinated since mid-february And I can honestly say that Miami is, I'd never been there before, and it is a a lawless place. Um, The minute we landed, we went outside and we saw a, a lift or something open, the driver opened their door, and then another car came and just hit the door. Just like hit the door off that car. And we saw a bunch of people driving vehicles, different kinds of vehicles that they just did not know how to drive. Different golf cart situations and three wheel cars like matchbox racers. I don't know how cars work, but neither did they, I don't think. Um, everyone was young and I felt very overwhelmed, but the weather was nice. <laughs> That's my review. Was it like, a, 
of Miami. Is it like a beach vacation kind of place? Yeah, I think so. Also, I just might be... I mean, I've never had an inclination to go to Miami before, and now I know why. Uh, But the weather was so nice. I got to swim in the ocean. I got a weird sunburn. I did all the things that I do in a warm weather climate. Um, And honestly, more people wore masks than I thought they would. Um, But I'm incredibly glad to be fully vaccinated. Also, I just remembered this right now. Sorry, Kate, I forgot to bring this up um, before. But uh, Ted Nugent, aged rocker Ted Nugent, uh, and frequent right-wing radio guest slash crazy person is, uh, was a huge COVID denier, just like, you know, making the rounds, talking about that, and he got COVID. It was confirmed today that he has COVID. COVID denying is so, it's, it's dumb because there's just, there's such a, a thing that can make you look like a fool, so... So soon. Naomi Wolf is another one. She's weird. Do you know who Naomi Wolf is? Oh, didn't she write, like, the beauty myth? She wrote the beauty myth, and I, like, went and saw her speak when I was in college, and she seemed like a really smart feminist person, and now she's, like, a full-on COVID-denying nut. It's really weird how... Yeah, she's taken a hard, a hard right turn, it seems. Um, Ted Nugent, for those of you who don't know who he is, um, was, you know, made famous by such songs as, uh, Cat Scratch Fever, and also for, um, adopting his girlfriend legally so that she could, uh, live with him. Ew, because she was how so old young. Was she? she was, like, so young. Um, and so he, so he was her dad and her... Yes. Ew. The 70s were... A- a lawless time, even more so than Miami, some would say. Wow, that's disgusting. I don't know, Ted Nugent. Then, uh, yikes. Uh, but yeah, I had, I did have fun in Miami. Again, the weather was very nice. I got drunk. I ate a bunch of good food. But. I don't know if I have the correct temperament to ever go back. <laughs> I've never really wanted to go to Miami because I'm not really like a huge beach vacation party person. Like I like to go to the beach, but I like to go to kind of like very low key beaches, like not yeah. like beach and bar. Like I want to go, I want to be at a bar in a city or. Yeah in a beach like far away from other people yeah, yeah. I'm I, I liked the isolated beach vacation that's for me yeah our friend also got us into this kind of like swanky hotel that had a like a really nice bar and it was this like members only situation and we got there and we sat down and immediately the uh, biggest man I have ever seen in my life stood up 
and it was DeAndre Jordan who plays for the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know anything about basketball. I know who Steph Curry is, and I know who LeBron James is, and that's it. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, basketball. Um, so that was that was cool. I don't know. Again, I really, I have no complaints about the weather and the food and the booze. And that's, but everything else about Miami, I don't know. Uh, a woman was like, a woman walked by me when I was drunk, and she was like, put your arms down. And my arms were not up they were just kind of at my sides that's really weird what a controlling arm person i was like lady i am very fragile right now (laughs) this thing just jumped on my lap and started yelling when you're talking that's what i'm saying yes (laughs) listeners you'll be able to see videos of this terrible 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 cat the the cat's Got in. They've been in really into catnip. They've been abusing it, I think, because they have a few catnip toys, and I keep like finding them like hoarding their catnip toys and like partying with it. Well, it is four twenty, so we have yeah. to we have to let them uh, let them hit that hit that good good. Four twenty is such a dumb holiday, in my opinion. It's like if you smoke weed, smoke weed. You know, it doesn't have to be like on a day. I know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not a big weed per I mean, as a surprise to no one, as I I spoke about Miami like I'm a Miami's accountant, uh, I, I it would surprise no one that I don't smoke weed a lot and it makes me anxious. <laughs> so Yeah, but I mean to all who celebrate a happy four twenty <laughs> to all who celebrate to all who observe we, uh we have we have quite an episode today we had a really good talk with leslie lee the third from struggle session who i'm sure many of you know from his podcast but we haven't had him on our podcast and it was really really fun and if you're just uh getting to know leslie through this show now you're gonna love him we of course talked about uh Derek Chauvin's conviction, but we also talked quite a bit about movies and TV, um, and propaganda, uh, and Nancy Pelosi, just a, a real All the breadth. hits. All the a hits. A real breadth, yeah. Um, and this was a really good episode. Um, I love talking to him. Um, please subscribe to our Patreon if you can. If you do have five bucks a month, it would help us so much. Honestly, really need to be able to pay our producer and you know buy equipment and stuff to we we spend money to do the show and we at least want to be able to like break even and stuff so if there's any way that you could throw us five bucks a month if you can't we totally understand but if you can we would love you so much and thank you you so much and we already love you you so much to our patrons thank you to our patrons also if you have a minute and you haven't rated and reviewed our podcasts on apple podcasts that makes a big difference too. Um, some of our reviews are, are like most recent ones. I think are from February now, and they're just they mean a lot to us. Uh, you know the good ones, obviously mean, mean a lot. But yeah. the, on, the Not honest the ones one. about how we have vocal fry. I was just gonna say that if you're just here to say that we have vocal fry. I don't know. You, you need to like find God or something. But I have seen people who posted that we had vocal fry 
on the reply guys comments go and put the same thing on my book. I think one or two of the same people and I'm like, if you think I'm so much fucking vocal fry and it really bothers you, you know that you can not listen to hours of my audio content. They're know? addicted to your vocal fry. Uh, uh, okay. All right. Um, guys, thank you so much. We, we appreciate you all so much and uh, we hope that you're having a, a safe and, and wonderful end of April. Okay, we will see you later this week. Bye. Hello, and welcome back to Reply Guys. This week, we are joined by Leslie Lee of Struggle Session. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Do you go by Leslie Lee or Leslie Lee the Third? Leslie Lee the Third. Okay, Leslie Lee the Third. I'm sorry I left off the third. I don't know... To what extent I, I uh, add the thing every time. I don't know. I, I don't know any of the <laughs> third. Like, <laughs> was who was Leslie? Who was Leslie Lee the second and the first? Oh well, obviously my father and grandfather. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I will. It could be like great grandfather. Sometimes it skips. You know, there's a. I don't know if you're allowed to do that. If it skips, it doesn't count as far I as agree. I'm concerned. I think that. That's that's a hard stance I'm willing to take on this podcast. I I don't know any anything about that. My my family made up a new name for each person, but it would be cool to have a, the third <laughs> or something. That'd be awesome. Um, so I'm probably a lot of people who listen to our show have heard struggle session, but just in case folks are new to it. Can, you tell us a little bit about what it's about? Yeah, sure. So Struggle Session is just a show about the intersection of politics and pop culture. So we talk movies, music, video games, anime, professional wrestling, and how, you know, how, you know, real world material conditions affect the production of those, the people who make them. What do you do when so someone makes something you like, but it turns out they're an awful person? How you engage with that? What do you do if you like something that has very bad politics? Yeah, something like a 24, for example, or a law and order, which right. is pretty re re uh, relevant right now. How can you be a good person with good politics and still enjoy uh, these shows, these movies produced by our awful society that have a lot of the things that are awful about our society embedded in them. So that's basically what our show is about. That struggle uh, with, uh, with, you know, good uh, with the uh, art and politics and how it all intersects. So my, I'm, a, my question for you is where have you fallen on that? Ken, how do you enjoy these things that have bad politics? Well, I guess a, a relevant example would be, uh, I didn't start listening to the Smiths because I thought Morrissey was a good person. I listened to the Smiths because I heard a good ass riff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, what I get, what you get from the art isn't about the person who's making it. It's about it's about them t touching into these um, uh, universal or may or feelings that these the shared experience, these emotions. They aren't really about the person making them. It's about uh, I mean, that's the beauty of art that, you know, just a stupid a dipshit 
can make something absolutely amazing and beautiful, you know, with a guitar or a film or, or a camera, you know, like that's kind of, that's what, that's what makes art and literature cool like that, you know, us weak, feeble human beings can create things that are timeless uh, through art. So I've always been a big advocate of saying, you know, no, there's one thing about financially supporting someone that's actively doing harm, but there's another thing about enjoying some like a HP Lovecraft, you know, I don't have any problem loving and enjoying HP Lovecraft, even though he was a racist piece of shit. Right. No, notoriously. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I think as more and more, and I, I hate to use the term, uh, canceled, but you know, as we, and I won't, uh, as we kind of grapple with the legacies of beloved artists who, have complicated pasts and present, I think it is increasingly important to talk about how to experience or view their art now um, in a in a nuanced way. And I know that that entire sentence, is making some people roll their eyes, but I, cause I hate to be the person who's like, there's no nuance, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think too, it's like, I, cause I actually feel like for myself, I'm a little bit less. Um, I think about this stuff, honestly, a little bit less than I used to. And I think that's because like, since I became interested uh in in leftist politics when i started learning more about u.s imperialism um and uh you know a variety variety of things i uh now it like everything seems like pretty politically horrible to me like i never really thought like i never watched snl before and thought like oh my fucking god you know like i thought it was just corny sometimes but you know, like from a political perspective, a lot of the stuff is things that I, you know, I deeply, deeply don't agree with. But then I also have friends that like work for that show and write on it and perform on it. And like, sometimes it's really funny. But so I feel like being a leftist, you kind of like have to be like, okay, I'm going to sometimes enjoy art that doesn't align with what I believe because there's like almost no <laughs> like leftist art a little bit here and there, but not a lot, you know? Yeah, like it, we we live in a homophobic, transphobic, racist, you know, society. It's not, so everything that we like is going to have that embedded in it. Now that makes no that's no justification for enjoying SNL. Uh that's which is a, a problem completely aside from that. But I'll, I'll let that slide for now. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm a regular SNL viewer. I'm just saying, you know, there there have been some like funny things, but it's just like a thing that I feel like a lot of people, I, I feel like a lot of people who are not, or who even may, how do I want to say this? Like definitely liberals who consider themselves to be like, you know, political or something. Like they'll be like, oh yeah, like SNL has like good politics or whatever. Cause they're like making fun of, you know, Donald Trump or whatever. But like, there's no sort of like considering, you know, anything really beyond that. Like a lot of, a lot of the way that uh, culture engaged on political stuff for the past few years definitely was like, you know, 
fuck this one guy who is orange and has small hands, you know? <laughs> well, problem solved, I guess, now. There's nothing Absolutely. to worry about. I think we can agree that there are no more problems in America uh, since since Trump is, has left and uh, there weren't any before him and everything's great. So I feel, I, I'm, I'm sure we're all feeling just so great. What do you think that the, what do you think that the shift is going to be like in the, the Biden era? What do you think that like Biden era, uh, political comedy is going to look like? Biden era political comedy. What will it look like? I, I actually have to think about this because I am working on this sketch comedy show. What will it look like? What what it should look like, obviously. It should be the same thing it's always supposed to look like, you know, taking the shit uh out of the powerful corporations, uh, uh politicians, no matter which party they're on, if they're like in America, they're pretty much awful. Uh, that's what it should be like, but I feel like a lot of I feel like a lot of the humor is going to be like a self-congratulatory Obama era humor where you make fun of conservatives for being like Hicks and stuff like that. I think that's where we're going to go. I I guess Hick is out of touch now. Now it's just like you're a one sixer. You're you're a Q person if you're conservative. And it's going to be a lot of making fun of that, I think. What's a one sixer? Oh, the January sixth. Oh, I hadn't heard that okay. before. A one sixer. That's a wow. I I may have just invented. I may have I'm just. I'm gonna start using it. it regularly. I'll attribute it to Leslie Lee the <laughs> Third every time. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, so you mentioned Law and Order. Um, I've been thinking a lot lately about portrayals of cops media um i almost tweeted something the other day about fargo and i'm so glad i did it because like thinking back I'm like oh shit like that was like this portrayal of like a cop being like extremely like sweet and nice and uh yeah i just and pregnant and pregnant, pregnant. And i was just i mean you know um i was wondering what kind of uh thoughts you have um, been talking about on your show recently about like, you know, is uh, the portrayal of cops changing in media? Is it still all copaganda? I mean, it's still all copaganda. Obviously, I think maybe the one cop show that's not copaganda is Hannibal. I think I think that's <laughs> the only one really that's that's not copaganda. Oh, and the the movie um, The Little Things that just came out. Um, with Jared Leto, um, Denzel Washington, and Rami Malek, that's actually a cop movie. That's anti cop. That's anti cop and not cop again. It's a serial killer movie. So I guess the stuff that focuses on serial killers as like uh, can sometimes be a little bit anti cop again because cops are so bad at catching serial killers. Basically, they they've always you know just absolutely fuck it fuck it up and do an awful job at it. Then that's what Hannibal uh, is about. Is about <laughs> Uh, a lot of times and that's what uh the little things is about so there is some cop shows there a little bit anti-cop uh, propaganda but for the most part of course it's all propaganda even uh svu you know has tried to make itself more and more conscious and woke and not as like their first black blue uh 
Black Lives Matter episode was a Blue Lives Matter mm. episode. It was very, it was, the cops were fairly hardline. Even Olivia Benson, who is, you know, this, you know, this warm, caring woman who only cares about the victims as this protagonist that we loved for years and years. Even she was portrayed in a fairly harsh light, but they were, they were both, both sides in it, but she was pretty hardline for the cops. Now that's changed in recent years and the focus is on, and they've always done bad apples episodes, episodes about crooked cops or dirty cops, you know, that the good cops on the show take down. That's propaganda in and of itself. But now they're kind of changing and they say things that you might, you know, see a liberal commentator on CNN tweet every so often about how we need to, you know, make reforms. There's a, there's a, actually a, a character, uh, he was brought in on the show recently. I, th- I forget what his job is, but he's a higher up in the police and he's a regular cast member and he's a black guy. And he's very politically conscious and wants to, and his deal is that he's reforming the NYPD from the inside successfully. It would be nice if that was, you know, happening in real life, but you see how that's propaganda in and of itself to pre- pre- have this, you know, young, dashing, um, black higher up in the police department who actually is working on fixing things and getting people who are falsely convicted out of jail to put that on tv is propaganda too like even because people watch that and they might think that that's actually how cops are when they're absolutely not yeah that's uh, yeah i uh, and it's so funny because or it's not it's not funny but uh it's Law and Order SVU in particular is this, but all of the iterations of Law and Order just like loom so large in American culture because they're, I mean, especially before all the streaming services, they were just like always on TV. In oh, they yeah. still are. They still yeah. are. <laughs> like I know every on, time yeah. I go back to my parents' house and I, you know, rediscover the joy of cable TV. I am reminded that there are constant law and order marathons on <laughs> many of the cable news networks. Um, and yeah. And also <laughs> there is, I mean, that's a show where like Elliot Stabler regularly, the character of Elliot Stabler, like regularly exerts a lot of excessive force and we like are supposed to root for it yeah and it's very funny the stabler thing is very funny because he wasn't behaving differently than any other tv cops in fact he was a lot more sensitive than some of them he had daughters he worked he talked with uh, female victims he was a lot more his partner was a woman and accepted her perfectly as an equal he was a lot more sensitive than tv cops but that show has gone on so long that they've actually had to talk about that in universe and he just came back to the show after i think a 10-year absence and they were like oh yeah elliot he was a pretty violent cop you know he was kind of unhinged when that wasn't how people talked about him you know when it first started he was just a tv cop and nobody really questioned it like in this episode like he almost hits a guy (laughs) and they like are like you've gone too far this is not how we do things Uh, to him and he's and this was in an interrogation of someone suspected of killing his wife his wife so like the fact so they really like have kind of tapped down on something i mean some shows i mean criminal minds was terrible for this like the first couple of seasons like every single episode ended with them shooting the sus 
and killing the suspect and it's like how like and they actually and it started to like be a problem for the show because like how you deal with these characters who are talking about psychology and you're having them murder someone every other episode and not having that affect them that didn't make any sense so i think they kind of got away from that thankfully and and then they did kind of a season-long arc because the youngest guy kills someone and it really messes him up so these shows are always you know changing and moving as they go along especially if they last for many years and they change with society and culture so in the early seasons you can gun down as somebody and it doesn't matter but then in by season 10 it's a whole season long arc it's so i mean cable news not cable news cable cable television writ large is so fraught to put it uh gently in terms of of this kind of thing and it even you know as you mentioned the kind of attempts to address um you know the current realities or the current political moment are feel very like three steps forward two steps back yeah yeah they they really i mean i wouldn't even say three steps forward it's more like they do just enough to like cover their ass two steps forward two steps back yeah (laughs) yeah i don't even know if it's i don't even know if i'd necessarily call like olivia benson like wearing you know pretending to care about black lives matter is even like a step forward like what does that even mean <laughs> you know i don't even know i don't know if it's they just i mean it they keep they they stay a little bit behind the times which is far behind you know the world we actually should be living mm-hmm. in anyway so it's not is is they're like trying to catch up to just i, I don't know they it I mean, it doesn't accomplish anything anyway. If they really wanted to do something to help, maybe just like not have cop shows. Like it's been on for yeah. twenty something seasons, or or make a or you know make a different type of cop show. There are these shows didn't always didn't used to always be about prosecutors putting people in jail. They used to be about uh, defense attorneys getting uh, innocent people falsely accused by the prosecutor off. Uh, you know that that's. Uh, what they used to be or like I said Hannibal which is a cop show but like the cops never do anything uh, successfully and just screw everything up which is realistic and still riveting Uh, there's a lot of uh, I watch forensic files a lot and there's plenty of propaganda in that but like there are like half the episodes like the cops fuck up and they present it pretty clearly that cops fucked up the cops you know kidnap two teenagers and got them to falsely confess to this murder but in fact the forensic shows that the kids were nowhere near there they actually and and sometimes the victim's fam they even had the victim's families ripping the cops apart so even if you are interested in you know police as you know a fictional thing or a real thing like you can have these stories without it uh necessarily being uh, propaganda it's it's possible and it's not to say like you know you can still enjoy law and order just have your brain on you know you can watch propaganda just think about it have your brain on realize it's not at all reflective of the real world Yeah, and it's so it's so interesting that those shows keep coming out um even now like or in the past 10 years like brooklyn 99 was not you know was didn't start that long ago yeah brooklyn 99 is a real funny like i it's one thing to do a cop show it's another thing to do a comedy 
cop show. It's another thing to do a comedy cop show about cops that are good. Generally speaking, you're supposed to like Reno 911 is a cop show about cops who are good, who just look awful all the time. But (laughs) yeah, I think it's, I think it's it's like one of the funniest shows. I love it so much. Oh, it's so good. In fact, I'm going to watch it as soon as we uh, get off this call. Yeah, I think it's on Peacock. But yeah, that's a great funny cop show. But Brooklyn Nine-Nine is like a modern sitcom where these are actual characters and people and we're supposed to care about them and they're all like good people and just want to serve the public and that's that's why Brooklyn Nine-Nine got a lot of flack as a copaganda and people were really that was probably the number one show that people were complaining about uh, last summer when it when this all came out and I think the the writers of the show have talked about how they're they've had to like rewrite some of the upcoming season I suggested they should just like come back the next season and they're just not cops anymore. yeah they all work yeah they all like work at like i i forget what i said i i i suggested they all worked at like a sperm donor clinic because like you can still have all the zany antics with all the zany characters like guys since all the budget cuts because they defunded the police isn't it funny we all ended up working at the yeah, same that would be clinic honestly very, great. Yeah, same thing i someone i remember last last summer someone was like do a hi like Brooklyn Nine Nine. Do a hiatus and come back. All the characters work at the post office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just something simple like that. It and it would be the same show. You could still have you have all the same shit. You just it, but it doesn't have these funny ha ha good people cops on TV. Not and I'm not saying this is the most important thing in the world that we get really copaganda on tv but you know it's something to consider if you're a creative if you're somebody working in television you, i understand the cop show the reason it dominates isn't because of copaganda it's because it's simple riveting television for in an hour you know you can come in i can come in a law and order episode 25 minutes in and still understand everything yeah. that's going on <laughs> my screen i can watch law i can watch law and order without the screen on i don't even look at the screen sometimes and i will have just have it playing and i understand absolutely everything about the episode it's it's you know great tv in the sense of what t- uh, what tv is supposed to be and it's uh something to uh turn your brain off while you watch advertisements and the cop show just makes makes for a perfect 60 minute block you with your twists you have twists you have turns you have you have sex you have violence you have everything in a night night niece a neat little package but you know the fact that they are cop shows does make them cop again and that's the issue that we kind of just have to consider so we need a workplace drama slash comedy show order with all of the sex and violence of these shows and intrigue but again set at the post office yeah Yeah. i i want to switch gears here for a minute because you know well probably for longer than a minute because today is uh it's it's a pretty big day for people discussing the topic of policing not on television um because uh derek chauvin was convicted um, on all three counts um, for, I think, uh, second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. And we have uh, real-life liberals out here just saying wild, insane shit um, about it. 
Nancy Pelosi made an incredible statement that I'm going to pull up. But, you know, I was wondering, like, we're only, this is like kind of two, three hours after. So we haven't had a ton of time to sort of see how society at large is, is reacting to this. But um, my, my sense is that this is going to be really manipulated to be like, look, something's happening like without much actually happening. I was wondering how, how you're feeling about it. Uh, yeah, pretty much that. And I think they're going to look at themselves and think what if it would be so much easier if we just convicted the cops from the get go. Right. Like, like th this is the thing I didn't understand. Like just throw those cops under the bus. Then you can placate people uh, and that without, making kind of before they even get to thinking about systemic change they let it drag out too much they just shouldn't have dragged out they should have arrest, arrested him the next day arrested everybody involved with the next day and then you know people are uh, rightfully so are going to kind of take a step back and kind of relax and breathe and think they're going to get some kind of justice uh from it but no i mean he, he's it's not the it's not one guy is is a whole system you know like abolish the police like until you get that like you're not really getting anything it's still like there's hundreds thousands of Derek Chauvin's uh, you know there's and they all have guns and they all have licenses to kill like and they and they're still out there killing it's just a absolutely awful disgusting system that has to be done away with not one guy going to jail you know that that just doesn't change very much yeah, absolutely not. Um, I found the Nancy Pelosi quote. She said, so again, thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice, for being there to call out to your mom. How heartbreaking was that? Call out for your mom. I can't breathe. Like this phenomenon that we saw the, the mayor of Minneapolis doing this as well, of framing George Floyd as some kind of intentional martyr who you know made a choice about this when in reality he was murdered by a police officer um <laughs> i have some thoughts on what the motivation is behind that but what do you think hey bizarre imagine like sitting after the conviction of ted bunny and thanking the victims like that's that just is not something that would happen. That was such a bizarre moment, the way she framed it, because it, it seemed like almost that she didn't know what was actually going on. Like, maybe she thought he was still alive, possibly. I don't know. But, I mean, this is... And why was she even talking in the first place? Like, yeah. who wanted to hear from Nancy Pelosi in that moment? That that was... That's actually, like, strange to me. I didn't know... She, I, when I saw she was trending... Like I saw someone say something that made uh made made a comment like, "Well, uh, well, I'm glad she's done for." I'm like, "Oh wait, Nancy Pelosi died? What?" And I looked, and it's like they just meant like her career in it, but of course it isn't. But I I have no idea why she what? needed to comment, why she made those comments. They have black there's black Democrats that could speak. Just let them say there's there should be black higher ups that can take that role. Nobody's gonna be like, "Why didn't the most important Democrat?" you know speak they want the most important black yeah Democrat and the thing is speak. is that she was you know she was giving this press conference obvious like you know obviously her station as speaker of the house 
whatever. But you're completely right. She, she she was saying this. She was giving this press conference with quote unquote slash in front like she was standing in front of the yeah. congressional black caucus. It seems like it would have been a natural inclination for one of them to instead give the <laughs> remarks. Yes, I, absolutely bizarre. I don't know if they gave remarks too, but she didn't really need to get that. She shouldn't have been giving out the thank yous. Uh, I'll say that. I, I don't know if the others spoke, but if there's a, if anybody's giving out the thank yous, it should not be Nancy Pelosi. So it, certainly she, it seems like she took the main uh, sort of role there. Absolutely bizarre. Like, and why would she even do that to herself? That just seems like a odd choice. Well, when when like, has she ever would... saved herself from a moment of, embarrassment or yeah yeah it's like if i was a hundred year old white woman this is the last place i would want to be the last thing i would want to be talking about in front no uh, i think when i am a 100 year old white woman i'm just going to be drunk all day and that's that's it that's that's where i'm gonna be i think like it's i i do i think the reason that Nancy Pelosi is out there front and center is because the Democratic Party is doing something really disgusting, which is they are claiming the conviction as a political victory, as if they did something and they're doing that to avoid having to do something. Um, they're like, oh, look, we yeah. did this. When in reality, like, they did nothing. They weren't, uh, you know, jurors or anything, you know, like, um, but yeah, uh, like the. I mean, the the credit should go to Keith Ellison, really. Uh, he is the. I mean, not all the credit, obviously, but there. I mean, as he's the the uh, attorney general of uh, Minnesota, and he did have a, a hand in how this how this case was prosecuted, but it's certainly like making this into a political victory of any kind is gross. Yeah. Especially with Keith Ellison, because he's a, uh, someone who the democratic party infamously screwed over. They did not want him to take over leadership, uh, leadership of the party. And Obama personally made phone calls to make sure that that didn't happen. So it's very funny that they're taking credit for something that if anyone any major politician could take credit mm -hmm. for it was we him. have the obamas out here today also with uh some uh incredible statements of their own um obama's praise george floyd jury urged more action we cannot rest and i was just thinking back to this summer when obama personally uh like made sure that the NBA strike did not continue to happen. And he has yeah. been someone who has been kind of consistently behind the scenes attempting to sabotage any forward progress in the correct direction, you know, and then while publicly, you know, sort of claiming this as a political victory. I don't know. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on how the Obamas are handling this? I mean, the Obamas are absolutely disgusting. I mean, he was a he was president for eight years. He did nothing about this except sell local PDs tanks, and then he reduced it a little bit, but then they went back on it. So like, there like he did nothing for anybody. He he didn't do anything to help black people. He's absolutely disgusting. They've done nothing but for black, 
for black people to make money off of them, which they're trying. They like they work in Hollywood. They left the presidency and then like went struck a Netflix deal. Like that's what they did. Like that's just so bizarre to me. Like Jimmy Carter's out there like planting peanuts in Palestine or whatever. But he and like Obama is like taking meetings with like fucking you know producers and shit. Like Harvey Weinstein. Like, I don't. Completely baffling to me. Like that he even opens his mouth. I would be too embarrassed if I were Obama. If I was president president for eight years, did nothing, uh, was followed up by Donald Trump, and then you know all the things that were happening under me are still a problem for Joe Biden of all people, because you didn't build up any kind of uh, base. Like Obama didn't even have a, like a follow-up. He had no legacy. He had, didn't have someone he could handpick and say, this is going to be president. Cause he didn't want Joe to even run. So uh, Obama's uh, absolutely garbage. I have the, and they have nothing to say about, this that would mean anything and people are actually kind of sick of the obamas i'm even seeing like because the obamas have been you know sort of like holy on you know on nor for normie black people for a while but on this and they have not been getting the support uh that they have been before and people are kind of seeing through their bullshit yeah i I, i've said i might have said that's on the show before but um, Jimmy Carter seems to me like the only ex-president who has spent his entire post-presidency like atoning for the sins of being president. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think he is maybe the only one who understands that being president is inherently um, a net negative for the world for anyone. Yeah, yeah, he's the only one that's kind of grappling with it. Obama is just out here like a, he's like an influencer now. It's, it's so cheesy. shameless. I don't. Yeah. Want to... He has a podcast with Bruce Springsteen. I know. Like, is is that why you became president? Is that what you you became president to like meet like Mark <laughs> Marin? Like that's so <laughs> pathetic. That's so pathetic. It's the most pathetic thing I can think like, of. Obama, you could have just done open mics and worked your way up <laughs> through the rungs of comedy and you would have met Mark Maron eventually. Yeah, exactly. We, we're all going to meet Mark Maron eventually. Um, we're all going to meet Mark Maron. I, he is who we see before we die. He's ubiquitous. I mean, I don't know. I plan on a, I plan on watching the Obama show, uh, you know, art from the art from artists, right? Like, we got <laughs> to separate it. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna enjoy Michelle Obama's uh, <laughs> child cooking show, right? Isn't it a little kid cooking show? <laughs> Oh, I, the, well, child cooking show. I thought you. Oh, I no. thought you were. No, 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 no. I think it's like a, there. it's a show. She she does cook. She cooks children for their yeah. adrenochrome. You heard it here exactly. on Reply, guys. Um, no, I think it's a. I, I forgot what it's called, but I think it's a show about food for preschoolers um yeah she's very concerned with like how like four-year-olds eat she's very she's very into that but i i just don't know why these it's just i don't i don't know what the end game is for the obamas right like other than just amassing wealth because i don't see like you can't have spend most of your time being hollywood obama and then every time a black child gets shot you put out a statement like that 
and then do nothing else. I don't think that's a world that's going to last very long for them. I don't, people, I, I think there will, and this is a sad state of affairs, but I think there will always be a market for them to do whatever they want to do. Um, people are, I mean, it's, it's undeniable. They're a very compelling duo. Uh, you know, they're, they're both very like charismatic and smart and people it's, I mean, the degree to which people still love them is staggering. Yeah, but the thing is, the thing about them is that I actually really, really, really would love to see a divorce. <laughs> I think an Obama divorce would be one of the funniest things in the world. Because as we all saw from Brad Pitt and Angelita, the more closed off the marriage is, the more buck wild the divorce is. So we really know nothing about the personal lives of the Obamas. But so if it if it was a divorce is gonna come out of nowhere. But we will learn so much of the juiciest juiciest shit if that ever happens. I, I would then actually watch an Obama show if it's a post divorce. Uh, Keeping Obama up show. with the Obamas, the divorce era. Um, <laughs> I would also honestly, I would love to see the same thing. I would love to see an eleventh hour divorce of uh of Hillary divorcing Bill. That would be amazing. I, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> Oh my god! But I feel like now it's like it's not even it's not worth filling out the paperwork. No, like it's not even. I see them. I see they they post like little videos and stuff of the two of them on Zoom. They're just like an elderly couple now. That's that's disgusting. That's the most disgusting they ever. The only thing I respected about them was that their marriage was fake. (laughs) That's the only thing I respected about them that they were sitting there willing to be married to another sociopath. For power, if their marriage is actually real. No, ugh, you know what? That's imagine. actually been my longest standing conspiracy theory is that their marriage is real. Oh, that's Isn't fucked that fucked up? up? That's really dark. That's no, so I dark. I really believe it. And people are like, what? like, oh, Hillary just stayed with Bill for political expediency. And I'm like, no, it's worse. She fucking loves him. <laughs> <laughs> she loves him. He took a shine to her when she was a mousy little uh, Ivy League nerd, and she still just can't get enough of Bill. And that's way worse than it being some marriage of convenience. I th- I am always very discouraged by stories like that because you know it. There is some universe where I like to think, all right, you know, maybe if I ever got like really, really successful at comedy, I would like stop, you know, doing this thing where I like have sex with a bunch of garbage dudes or whatever. But the fact that the most powerful people in the world are doing it, I'm like, there's no hope for me. (laughs) (laughs) No one can make me stop this. (laughs) It could be in the 1% and on that same bullshit. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it's... I've been thinking a lot lately about how it is becoming, I think, a little bit more... um, How do I say this? Like, I feel like more and more people are becoming sort of conscious of, like, the... 
like woke corporations and like the the corporatization of like uh you know anti-racism co-optation really and like that we're in a different place where we were like two years ago where like it it feels like people can call out stuff that is um you know cynical right without like being necessarily just like wow how could you say that about Kamala Harris you know so I don't know. How, how do you see the discussion around, like, you know, fake wokeness <laughs> evolving? I, I mean, I feel like everybody's talking about it. Uh, I don't know. I'll see how, where the chips land. Because I don't, most normal people aren't even talking about, you know, this sort of thing anyway. So I don't know how it feels in the larger culture, which uh, I guess may, maybe if I j- jump on Facebook instead of Twitter, I'll find out. But I, I do feel like people are going, I mean, because just the world is getting worse and <laughs> companies are trying to tell you that yeah. it's getting better. And I think that's going to cause some sort of dissonance. I don't know if that, how that will turn out uh, and where that, you know, dissonant energy will go. But like the world does suck and it is getting worse and there's no one coming to help, even though Biden said he would, even though the Democrats said they would. So I, I, there is going to be a consequence uh, for all of this. And I think people are going to get sick. Like even like, like with this verdict, like companies are putting out statements like we, uh, we can breathe now. Like the Raiders put that out. Like people are going to, I don't think people don't are going to get sick of this shit. I think in by and large, you know, maybe I'm not now, but eventually I think regular people are going to just get tired of, a politics that doesn't actually give them anything that doesn't do anything for them or their family. That isn't about anything at all, except uh, like appearances. Uh, more yeah. Or less. And I think, you know, certainly we know that the people who are on Twitter are such a small subset of the population. Um, I think even I guess it's encouraging that even people who are like more, you know, on normie Twitter, skincare um, Twitter, skincare <laughs> Twitter, which I'm trying so hard to break into. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to, I want to get off of political leftist Twitter forever and just bury my head in the sand and only be on skincare Twitter. Um, but I do think that there are more and more people, as Cade said, certainly in our corner of the universe who, you know, when British Petroleum tweets about their uh, carbon goals or whatever, are able to be like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, uh, fuck BP. But yeah, I don't know. I, I do think that by and large, the... The average American maybe is is too placated by corporate displays of hollow activism. Um, like, you know, how many Super Bowl commercials are, are in that vein where, again, the average American is like, well, that's nice. Look at that. A corporation that cares. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I I, uh, I don't know. Bring bring back the the Budweiser commercials with the Clydesdales. That's that's my <laughs> that's my hill to die on. 
Um, but yeah, and I think I think certainly in more marginalized communities there is a there's a much a higher awareness about the hollowness of of the activism. Um, like, you know, nobody, now it's like, yeah, we don't really want to see Raytheon floats at pride, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you can't have like pride 2021 sponsored by McKinsey. (laughs) Um, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I hope that that continues. Um, and maybe seeps out into the larger public consciousness. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know about, about anything anymore. And that's my take for the show. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, very smart and I have all the answers. I, I am curious, like, what... I'm curious, like, how long people will continue to uh, have the conversation about defunding the police or, like, if that conversation will be effectively shut down by the cynical people who are going to be like, oh, look, you know, we convicted uh, these few guys, women, too. No. Uh if it's as we said ladies can be war criminals too um yeah i'm i i'm uh i'm I'm curious to see what what happens and i very much hope that people continue to discuss abolition but it it feels like there is like a really 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 cynical attempt to to shut it down by being like you know we're getting getting those one or two bad apples out you know when there i mean you know, multiple shootings, multiple police murders every week, you know? Also, as I always love to point out, the adage is a few bad apples spoils the bunch. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not <laughs> a few bad apples and then you take the bad apples out and now it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, that's, oh, people are are very stupid, but, um, you know, we don't want this to be, uh, to be uh, too, too dark of, of an episode. We do try to end on something, um, a little more positive. I, we love to talk about movies on this show. We don't get an opportunity to enough, I think. So if you could recommend to us and to our listeners, some, movies that you have loved lately that would be awesome well if you want if you want a a good true crime uh a story a true crime documentary that i don't think a lot of people have seen is much better than the other ones that people talk about it has a bit uh has a bit less propaganda than the uh most of them uh the chameleon killer on discovery plus is very good it's about this serial killer who kept changing his identity so no one ever connected the cases and he murdered you know people in multiple jurisdictions cops never called him just cuz he would like change his name and it was an absolutely baffling baffling story and it's really like kind of like 
you know, heartbreaking too, because you find that uh, this person finds out that he's the son of this, you know, multiple murderer. And he, ha- and you know, he finds out basically on uh, kind of on camera and like how he has to process that. And he's just like this normal looking nice guy who's been told that his father before he had him, you know, was this, uh, you know, multi-state uh, murderer. And it's a very, you know, touching, heartbreaking, very sad, infuriating documentary. Uh, but I would definitely, uh, recommend that um as, as far as you know something maybe a little bit li- lighter fare i kind of liked thunder force on netflix i know a lot of people didn't like it um uh, but it's um oh i forget her name uh i'm bad with names but it's um not uh she's in spy let me look up let me pull up the imdb of the movie melissa mccarthy or name yeah it's melissa is yeah it's spy and ma it's melissa mccarthy and octavia spencer at, and Spence, yeah, Spy and Ma are superheroes. Uh, I saw someone it's, watching it's, that on a plane the other day. It's a very plain movie. <laughs> it's a very watch on the plane movie. It's not, it's not the most entertaining thing you're ever going to see, but it's kind of nice. It's kind of cool. I'm a li- people and, people you know, love it's, Spy. It's, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, Spy was okay. I think the first 30 minutes of Thunder Force are, are pretty bad, but once you, you get past that part, it's actually okay. The script could use another pass, but if you're just looking for like a comedy that's kind of funny and enjoyable, like Thunder Force uh, is fine. It's something new. You that's know? great. Did you like any of the movies that are are in the Oscar race this year? Uh, let me see. Let me see. So I did um, watch Promising Young Woman, and I did I did like it. I don't know. It was an Oscar film, but I liked. I actually liked it because it was, in spite of how it looked, its aesthetics were very. And this, I think, it was a deliberate. It looks like a romantic comedy, mm. right? It has like the color palette, the locations, like even that, like the club that they're in, the bar that they're in, looks like a set from a, like a romantic comedy. And, um, but it's like yeah, a, and also like all of the men that they ch- that they cast are kind of like romantic are, comedy leads. Yeah, all of them are. Uh, yeah, absolutely, all of them are romantic comedy leads. But it, the movie actually is like kind of like like a grimy, uh, like not necessarily exploitation movie, kind of like a rape revenge thriller. And you know, I I enjoyed it. I, a lot of people disliked it a lot because the ending is very bleak. It's very bleak. It's very sad. It's very infuriating on almost every level. But uh, I think think maybe part of it was the point some of it wasn't but some of it was the point so i ended up uh, enjoying it. a lot of people did not uh like this movie i don't know if it was the oscar movie but i mean with with this year as and it's not just because of the pandemic just with this version of hollywood there is slim pickings mm. uh really for movies did you see minari Minari, I have, I do not, I have not seen that yet. I do have that queued up. I ha- I've heard that very good things about it. I actually don't think I've watched. I don't think I've watched most of the Oscar movies. I think only Promising Young Woman is the only one I watched. Besides the Trial of the Chicago Seven, which was okay, maybe the best thing Sorkin has done. Uh, besides a few good men. I mean, that men. is so but, bleak, and the casting of that movie is batshit because everyone like the chicago seven were in their 20s yeah that was <laughs> like, no because they like yeah. people in their 40s like i don't in their 40s I saw cohen's gotta be like late 40s at this point yeah i don't know i, oh, I yeah, thought of yeah. judas in the black yeah. and also 
Go ahead. Oh my god, I love Judas and the Black Messiah, but just one one quick aside about Trials of the Chicago 7. Eddie Redmayne is too hot to play Tom Hayden. Tom Hayden it was a weird-looking guy who's also hot, but he was weird-looking. Yeah, he in fact that was like the hottest that like Thomas Hayden uh uh that well that uh that Eddie Redmayne had looked ever like he was like the dashing lead in that movie when he's you uh when he's often not yeah that was very strange to me but yeah I did did love Judas and the Black Messiah I loved Minari I loved I loved Sound of Metal uh I feel like that one is has kind of gone under the radar but it. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about that. I I haven't I just haven't gotten up with the Oscars movies. Been more doing you know TV and quarantine. I think, but I did see Tenet, um, which I guess got nominated for a uh, best visual effects, which I mean deserved. But that movie was not a good movie. <laughs> I I don't think it was a bad movie. It was very, it was a bad movie that it was just a bad movie. And Chris and after I watched, it, I was like, man, Christopher Nolan maybe shouldn't be allowed to make narrative movies or he shouldn't be allowed to like do his own scripts. He like someone like he should be like his whole operation. Cause they do a lot of amazing stuff technically, but it should be like his whole production company should be nationalized. And he is assigned the films picked by a government agency. that are actually good and take advantage of stuff because he, I mean, this is a great they, idea. Film, this is, I want to propose this bill. <laughs> yeah uh i mean this is basically the what's the denny uh villeneuve right like he basically is under that plan just he's contracted to warner brothers because he's this visually stunning director who could probably do some really interesting stuff but now he's doing like sequels and reboots and stuff and it's very strange so wow. we just are like this is for uh, podcast audience, there was just a moment of silence and head shaking when sequels and reboots was uttered. We're just like, wow, yeah, <laughs> wow. I, I can't, I can't do, I can't do anymore. I, it does feel like that those are the only movies being made. Sometimes I know. Well, yeah, twenty twenty was not. It, it, there was it, not as many movies like that came out. You know. Um, well, you know, we are nearing the end of our time here. So I was wondering if you could tell our listeners where to find you and how to check out more of your work. Oh, yeah. Just uh, check us out on Struggle Session. Uh, Struggle Session is all available on all podcasting platforms. And if you want to give us a sub, patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus. Great. Well, this was amazing. Thank you so much for, for talking to us. Uh, this was so great. Everyone, if you've learned nothing else from this show, go watch Reno 911, <laughs> uh, the only yes. good cop show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so Thank much, you. Leslie. Thank you so much for listening to Reply Guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash reply guys, where we have a catalog of over 25 bonus interviews with renowned writers, journalists, and comedians with an additional episode uploaded each week. The show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. 
If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at O Julia Tweets, O-H Julia Tweets. And Twitter is where you can, of course, also find our reply guys. They are always with us. Bernie, take us out. walking that ribbon of highway I saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley this land was made for you and me this land is your land